Hello, Vineyard. Hello, Vineyard. I don't know when I hit the entry there, but it doesn't really matter. But hello, Vineyard. Welcome to the podcast. Very glad to have us uh, this week. Um, got some good questions to think about. Obviously, we're still doing this format because uh, we're not quite ready to get back into a, uh, the sanctuary during the week. Um, we're doing some painting and, you know, working Refer- on the ceiling and we're, we're doing a refer again. Yeah. So <laughs> a redo of the sanctuary. Yeah. So. That's going on, and I we don't want to go in there and make them all shut down for a couple hours while I, I, we do this. So uh, we are doing this. This yeah. is my lovely bride, Alice, who's joining me, and uh, and so we're happy about that. Um, this is Ash Wednesday. Yes, it so is. Um, there you go, beginning of Lent. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, people sometimes ask me about Ash Wednesday. You know, it was added by the church around 1100 sometimes, and, uh, in the 1100 year-ish activity so you know people say well where is it in the bible it's not um and uh it was just a uh this season that it sort of signifies was to uh encourage people to remember you know the the resurrection of jesus and uh, so there's this 40-day period and it's just the introduction of that period it's a time of repentance which is kind of what the the whole thing is all about and so um, that's what people are doing. But you may notice out and about today there are people uh, with ashes on their head. And uh, it's in celebration of Ash Wednesday. Um, uh, and so there you go. That's what's going on with that. Very interesting. You may want to go and Google it, yeah. do a little study on your own about uh, Ash Wednesday and where it came from. And um, and so that's what's happening. But now we're so we're in a 40 day period now heading up to uh, uh, Easter. And uh, so we're very look, look, Lent. We're in Lent. We're in Lent. Yeah. We're in Lent. Yeah. So this Sunday will be the first Sunday in Lent. And I'll be um, uh, for my message. I'm going to be talking still about the Beatitudes right mm-hmm. now. I'll be in the fourth Beatitude. Uh, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. I think I got some really good stuff to share on that. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'm always looking forward to the weekend. Um, but I'm pressing in, studying hard for that. Yeah. I think we can. Uh, some really take some more stuff in for that so that's coming up and we're looking forward to that and uh, i think without what you're looking forward to honey <sighs> lunch, lunch? <laughs> <laughs> i knew that's what yeah. he was going to so, say so so we we shoot this a little earlier yeah. today we'll we'll facetime it later uh and it'll be post lunch but yeah. uh but yeah I'm, right now it's lunch. i'm already thinking yeah. about lunch yeah. right? who isn't going. yeah there you go anyway all right you ready Sure, let's Here we go. Let's go. It seems to me that meekness is especially looked down upon and demeaned in our culture. Do you think that is in direct relation to the big promise attached to it in the Beatitudes? I think the enemy wouldn't try to squash that trait so hard if it didn't carry much weight. Yeah, that's a good point, you know, because the promise is we inherit the earth. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, part of that promise, I don't know how much I alluded to this in my sermon, but part of that promise means... Um, we we can live, I believe, in the assurance and confidence of the promises of what's going to happen when Jesus comes back. Mm-hmm. And we don't live, need to live in fear and anxiety because of all the circumstances that go on around us. And so mm-hmm. all of these things are because in the Beatitudes we're taught to basically that life is found in pressing into him, right. not in our own performance. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, the enemy, what he's always, the enemy wants us to be self-righteous because there we stop 
we stop trusting God, then it becomes something different. Life becomes something different. And so he pushes on those things. And now culturally, I, yeah, I'd say you're right. A big thing, you know, meekness in our culture is like unheard of. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's not what people are doing. It's, uh, you know, it's the opposite is, is in fact true. So um, it's a good pickup. And yeah, he um, he wants to stop all of those neat promises that are ours. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in this coming week, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. There's, it's kind of a Jesus paradox. He does a lot of those. You know, the mm-hmm. the, the hungriest and thirstiest are the ones most satisfied. Uh, it's <laughs> yeah. paradox, yeah. and uh, like jumbo shrimp. There you go. Yeah, um, but not quite. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, good good point. I, I think he pushes against all of them, and it just depends on sort of culturally, you know, what's going on and what happens. Okay, let's do the next one. Well, it's never wrong oh, to be sorry. humble. It's never wrong to be humble. No. You know, that's what it kind of spoke to me. No, no matter where you're at in life, if you stay humble, it's all good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Humility is... Right. For... for Because uh, God opposes the proud. It gives grace to the humble. And there I always associate humble with meekness, but I don't know if that's theologically correct. It's similar. It's like, yeah. yeah it's, a, it's humility and gentleness okay. to me, meekness. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Ready? Yep. I've been continuing your Bible reading plan in Luke chapter 1. The angel Gabriel seems to be very hard on Zacharias for not believing he and his wife will have a child in old age and makes him mute for asking, how, for asking, quote, unquote, how can this be? A few verses later, the Virgin Mary asks the same question, how can this be? And he patiently explains to her. Sarah laughed when God told her she would have a child in old age. Your ideas on Zacharias is treated why Zacharias is treated so differently, please. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting account there in Luke, because um, yeah. Gabriel shows up and he encounters Zacharias and he encounters Mary, and it does look pretty different. Um, I think it's the response is is based on um, sort of their relationship, uh, and and one is a, more of a response of doubt that Zacharias, and one is a response of faith, sure. even though it's the same yeah. question. Because Zacharias, been you know a priest for a long time, yeah. had been praying for this child for a long time, right. um, and walks into it was by lot it was his turn to go into the, the the holy place there, and there's an angel sitting there, and Zechariah knows there's an angel because boom down he goes, and um, and then Gabriel tells him this promise, and he's you know, it, and yeah I, don't, I know I I, it, I might seem harsh. Mm-hmm. sort of being not being able to speak but the, all the promises still come true it's not like there was a punishment that was like okay well it's not going to happen now because you didn't believe right it was uh but, you know it's maybe you should sort of think a little bit uh, <laughs> before you speak because you but this is this isn't it was a direct response to prayers that he's been praying for a long time and god says i'm going to do it right. and then um and and so the timing of what happens next may impact it, but Gabriel actually introduces himself. I'm Gabriel, he says. And so so you have this situation. Gotcha. So all the promises still happen, everything's good. And you know, I mean who hasn't had a little doubt sometimes? That's what's going on. Mm-hmm. But why is it different with Mary? Well Mary's um a teenager. She's very young, very young. Um she doesn't have this same sort of um experience with God. She hasn't been praying for um no. to be the 
you know, to carry the savior of the world, as far as we know. Uh, <laughs> and he didn't say anything. She doesn't know it's Gabriel either. She never gets introduced to him. And her response is more of, okay, I, I believe that you're going to do that, but how are you going to do that since I'm a virgin? Right. And, and so it's a, it's a different response. How can this be because of this? Um, and so there's kind of a, what you're looking, there's a contrast in the responses that mm-hmm. you can go back into and read. Mm-hmm. And I think that sets everything apart. And I think we can learn from it. You know, there's, yeah. it's always, uh, you know, unfortunately I think sometimes we pray and, and, and God answers and we're shocked, mm-hmm. uh, you, you know, uh, and then, um, I don't know. It's just, it's, to me, it's just a place for us to get to, we need to be pressing in, listening, mm-hmm. expecting, and yet understanding, and all those things that come with time. But it's two different sort of encounters that, that are happening here. One with, with someone who'd been praying for a response and gets it and questions right. it, and one who just has, kind of has this encounter, is told this thing is going to happen through her, and she's all, okay, but how? And so it's more of a more of a difference there. One is way I think Mary's response has way more faith yeah. than um, than Zechariah's response did. So there you go. God always sees the heart, right? Absolutely. <clears throat> so Zechariah had kind of an edge when he asked the question, and maybe Mary's was one of wonder. Yeah, I would say that's <laughs> absolutely true. And uh, and also, you know, Zechariah has been praying this way for a very long time without right. seeing anything. You know, it would have been kind of a daily shameful thing, that, right. you know. So right. um, there's, you know, there's grace for that, which yeah. is why it didn't like not happen at that point. Right. Uh, it all happened. Everything that was supposed to happen still happened. Cool. Uh, he just got to be silent for a little while. Okay. <clears throat> you ready? Mm-hmm. Why did God take so long to respond to Job, particularly as he was tormented and distraught for what seemed such a long time? P.S. We are really enjoying the daily bread intake Bible in a year. Good. Good. And I'm glad you're enjoying the reading. I think that helps. Um, So, yeah, uh, God is silent um, throughout that entire discourse um, and then shows up in a whirlwind and um, begins to speak. But, you know, their discourse is is these questions that they're asking about is Job guilty or innocent? Mm -hmm. And uh, and you notice when God does begin to speak, he doesn't he doesn't go into their questions. What he does is he sort of talks about the created order of things and and what's happening with there. And 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 so he's he just allows it to happen. Now, understand that. That whole encounter of Job is just a it's a peel back of things that are going on. So we get a glimpse into things that we don't fully understand mm-hmm. and we don't fully understand a lot of the things that happen in the world. But I think when he starts talking about the creative order of things, then what we can do is we can go back to our understanding of how he created it to be, mm-hmm. which was us and him together moving through the world uh, and making the whole earth like a. Uh, Eden. Uh, that was the original plan, right. right? And then we said no to that plan, and we we went off on our own way. And the consequences of that have been horrific and monumental. Um, but the consequences are our fault. The fallenness and brokenness of the world are it's because it didn't need to be that. It's because we chose it to go our own way. Well, 
how then do we question God about all this mess that's happening? Like, like he did it. Right. It's not, he, uh-uh. he, he's like, where were you when I created all these things? I set it up right. You chose uh-huh. to go your own way. And so there is, unfortunately, now there's pain and there's suffering and there's all those things. God, because he's bigger than those things, can still move redemptively into them and use them. Mm-hmm. But um, we we need to move past that attitude that um, somehow uh, God should explain himself for all the mess. And he he didn't create it that way. He created perfect without any of it. Right. Um, you know, death didn't even engage until... We had, we sinned, and the enemy brought in that power. It wasn't even there. So all of the brokenness, all of the suffering, all of these things that are going on, um, you know, it's it's a, it's to change our viewpoint of why, you know. And God is saying, look, listen, I still love you, huge, and I'm making ways for you, but I didn't mess it up. And, right. and it's kind of a reminder, mm-hmm. right? And so that's a viewpoint shift because mm-hmm. we struggle with that because yeah. we don't think there should be suffering. We don't think. You know, bad things should happen. We we struggle with some more than others. Um, you know, we have funny we have funny filters. Like, uh, um, and anyway, there's all these things pressing in. But that's, I think, the bigger picture of what's going on mm-hmm. is that we we need to get our questions right. Yeah. And uh, and you know, and then realize, well, it's, you know, I'm I'm just I'm blessed that I'm God has come and rescued me, so I have relationship with Him. Mm-hmm. And that I know that in the future, then everything is good mm-hmm. and settled and back to the way it was supposed to be because he's made a way back. Right. But in the meantime, there is brokenness and fallout and consequences and tragedy. And, mm-hmm. and um, I, it's it's understanding why. And instead of asking, you know, God, why? Yeah, you're right. Very good. Yeah. Right. And we just reminded Sunday you said um it was a very powerful point when you said God is always bigger. Mm-hmm. And even in this story of Job, God is always bigger than that pain that Job was going through. Because today, this happened how many years ago? We're talking about Job right. and God's relations. So yeah. that was good. good. Okay. Ready? Uh-huh. Why, did, why is it important that Jacob adopted Joseph's two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, as his own and blessed them? Was it just to make up the 12 tribes as I believe one got annihilated? Um, I think it's more than that. I, I think it's uh, mm-hmm. I think it's it's ultimately it's Jacob's affection, uh, his deep affection for Joseph mm-hmm. and who he had lost for all that time. Right. Yeah. Who he thought he'd lost. And and uh, he loved Joseph. There's there's uh, people struggle with that. Well, how could he have a favorite? He just loved Joseph. It was, you know, it was, it was special to him. Mm-hmm. One, you know, of the last couple born there. Um, and so he meant the the world to him, and uh, so when he adopts his son, it's it's, a, it's actually it's, there's it's significant because they become like Jacob's children, right? Right. So it, it, it's there's something going on there. I think it also has something to do beyond that with um, in in uh, where's the scripture in Deuteronomy, the firstborn son. Mm-hmm. would normally receive a double portion of the father's blessing. Mm-hmm. And in this case, that was Reuben. But Reuben had not, uh, uh, he had, if you go back in the story and read, he had actually slept with his father's concubine, kind of knocked himself out of position. And what you see is, in effect, the the double portion is going through Joseph into his kids. 
because both his kids now become right. equal sharers right. of it. the father's blessing and and uh, so uh, of the of the inheritance mm-hmm. which is significant and so there's that tie in that's going on you know be, as the brothers had been and treated Joseph so horrifically, mm-hmm. um, you know, wanted to kill him, most of them, but, you know, one of them stepped up and saved him from being killed, but didn't change the whole thing that they sold him off into slavery. Yeah. And then Joseph, you know, had a tough, he did. T- tough season. Um, but, you know, the, the neat part of that story is, you know, Joseph is able to say what, what you know, what you guys intended for evil, what the enemy intended for evil, God used for good and put him in the place where he needed to be. So I think that's the bigger picture that's going on there. Yep. Okay. What would be an act of service that would be the equivalent to washing people's feet and showing true servant leadership? Hmm. Good question. Yeah. Shall uh, we count the ways? Well, I think one would be that uh, when you're driving out of Key West <laughs> <laughs> and and someone does not get in line no, in the left lane at McDonald's and goes flying by you that you will still allow them in and and don't fight to make them drive through. That would be similar. That's very silly. I heard a story about it. Hmm. So maybe this worked. Mm-hmm. So this guy, he goes to the McDonald's drive through oh, And dear. you know where there's, there's two drive through lanes in a lot of them now? And yeah. then there's kind of a fight to see who gets in the thing. Yeah. And he was clearly ahead of this other person. But they were just, you know, adamant. And he'd already gotten in there. So this person's honking and screaming and waving everything. But he he finally lets him in. But the whole time he's making a fuss. So when the first person goes up to the pay window, he he says, look, I'm, let me pay for my food. Let me also pay for the food behind me. And uh, obviously the, the guy that was working there, you know, leans out and lets the person behind yeah. know, hey, this guy paid for your meal. And so they're kind of waving now and feeling a little bad. And he goes up to the next window to get the food and he gets his food. And then he also takes the food of the person behind him and then he drives off. Yeah. So they have to go wait in line all over again and pay for their not own food. Um, that would not be the example, but I like that story. Yes, uh, <laughs> that would be the opposite here. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just think it's, it's looking for ways to sort of go out of your way to be kind to mm-hmm. people and to not, so often I, I think we're stopped from doing things because we have that thought somebody else should do it. Yeah. Um, and it happens in little ways, you know, like, uh, uh, I don't know. So I walk by sometime in the church facility and there'll be garbage on the floor and I'll pick it up. But I've just seen people walk by it because they, they don't, maybe they're not taking it in or whatever. And I'm like, man, it's, we can pick those things up. You know, it's, it doesn't matter what there, there's, um, it, it's, it's that kind of stuff that's, that's make it, that's a more of a positional thing. Mm-hmm. And then, but you know, the rest of it, I think would just be, um, kindness, like how going out of our way to demonstrate kindness and caring mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. we value other people. And, um, you know, we want to look for ways to, you know, to demonstrate mm-hmm. that situation. And I think people that are in difficult situations, you know, Jesus said, whenever you've done to the least of these, and he was speaking about kids, but um, just, you know, someone that that is definitely, you know, on the edges and struggling, blessing them in a way that doesn't bring attention to yourself, or just living that way, you know, it's a difficult, it's difficult to find the equivalent of washing someone's feet, I think. We've been Christians a long time. If you've ever been to a foot washing ceremony, it's awkward. 
it's really awkward. We we don't do that, but because we don't need to, right? We have shoes, we have showers every day. Yeah. They didn't have that. So you'll know it in your gut, you know, what the right thing is to do in, in each different situation, you know, widows and orphans and the elderly and people that need help, you know, in justice situations. So mm-hmm. that's my two cents, but I'm not the theologian. So. No, that was really good. Okay. You're not being willing to look for, like Alice said, the sort of people outside. And, you know, w- would you be willing to, like, um, can you if you there's something about being included in the group mm-hmm. you're in the group yeah but then there's someone outside the group but you've been you really wanted to be a part of the group right but then you sort of realize that the person who's out here that they you, what god probably wants is for you to leave the group that you definitely want to be a part of to go and see what's mm-hmm. going on over here and it's the willingness to do that and and those situations um happen and we need to just be looking for them mm-hmm. but it's very hard Sometimes we, oh, I, but I'm, oh, I'm in this group, and uh, this is where I want to be. Right. And it's like, ah. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, don't move any homeless people into your home no, no, without no. lots of prayer. Yeah, and unless, yeah, unless the, yeah, yeah, the Lord shows up. And yeah. That's not what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. You ready? Yeah. When you went over John chapter 13, verse 2 stood out to me. What do you make of the devil putting the desire to betray Jesus into the heart of Judas? Is Judas an example of someone being given up like described in Romans 1, or do you think he still could have fought the desire and not gone through with it? I'm leaning towards it was too late for him at that point, but would love to hear your opinion. You know, it's a good question. It's a really good question because you kind of go back and forth with it. Is it ever too late? Does God ever give up? But, you know, Judas was like right there with Jesus, right? Yeah. And and apparently was very close to Jesus, like one of his closest. Um, and uh, and so he, here's the thing, he he had seen Jesus modeling life and ministry, the healing, the power, the love, the concern, the care, and somehow was not. It didn't get him in the right spot. It didn't connect. So how, you know, what what was the condition of his heart? I'm not sure. Um, so was there a point when he finally just shut down? Possibly. And just, that was it. He was yeah. not, no matter what he saw or heard, nothing was going to change him again. And um, it's very possible. But mm-hmm. I think, I think it's, you know, it's such a significant deal because of, Judas wasn't, he was very close to Jesus in, uh-huh. in the circle. And so uh, it's okay. Not me this time. No, it's okay. We're going to. Just pause it. Just pause no, oh, it. I got to take oh, this. Oh, you got to take this. So pause. I can't pause this. Okay. Um, go I'll ahead. Just All chat right. for a second. I won't right. be long. Chat for a second. No pressure there. Hello? We just have a dear friend in the hospital, and that's who that yes, was. Okay. So the last one is, is I'm reading the book of Zephaniah and came across verses 3, 9, chapter 3, verse 9, and it stopped me. Is this a reversal of the curse at the Tower of Babel, and will we all speak the same language in the Millennial Kingdom? That is really, really a good um a good question, and, and this is the verse that's be, that she's talking about. Then will I purify the lips of the peoples and 
that all of them may call on the name of the Lord and serve him shoulder to shoulder. That's the, the verse that the question refers to. Is everything okay? Yeah, I got it. Yeah, I, got, I, can, I have time to answer this. Okay. And then we will go from there. Okay. Good, because I was going to start singing. Well, that, no, I'm sorry you missed that. It would have been such a blessing for everyone. So my apologies. Maybe next time. Yeah. No. So this, uh, this, uh, so you've asked the question already? Yes, uh, I asked the question. I is it a reversal of the curse? All right. Um, I, it's a picture, I think, of what's going to happen in the future. And, uh, mm. Um, we will absolutely all understand each other in, uh, cool. in that point in time. And I would say, you know, the, uh, a, a better sort of picture even would be to look at Pentecost mm-hmm. when everybody understood everybody was going on. All of a sudden, you know, the, the confusion of languages that happened at Babel was changed right. and there's a picture of it at Pentecost. And then, then certainly we'll all be able to understand each other, um, when you know new heaven comes to earth and we have everything renewed and restored, mm. so all these things are sort of great pictures. Yeah, it's a good pickup. I like seeing the two, but it's a yeah. it's a picture of something that's going to happen yet, mm-hmm. and uh, so we look forward to that. Amen. So uh, I apologize for having to jump up there. Well done, dear. Well done. Yeah, it was a very important sort of little ministry thing. So, um, and I've got to get back to it. Okay. But we we did do this, and we were glad to spend some time with Definitely. you, and we love you guys, yeah. and we're praying for you. And uh, join us this weekend. You know, if you if you're around, certainly come in person. Everything's been going good that way. Or you know, online. All the services are there online for you. And um, we would look to very close to the new app and new website. If I can yes. get a couple of good days into this week, they'll be they'll be ready mm-hmm. for you. All right. In some form. So the app is already up, actually. Yeah. Um, but we're getting to the website very soon. All right. All right. I just want to my cat's mad at me because I kicked her off her chair. So yeah. pray for Gibson. Yeah. She didn't like it that yeah. Alice borrows her chair during <laughs> this. All right. Um, God bless goodbye, you. Goodbye, Vineyard. We love you guys. Mm-hmm. Bye bye. Thanks for watching today's service from Keys Vineyard Community Church. Make sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to us on YouTube. For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com. We'll see you next time.